the opportunity that you've given us to meet together as a family of faith to worship you. God, if there are any here who have never trusted in you, I pray that this will be the day of their salvation. If there are any here who are hurting, and I know that there are some who are, I pray that they will find that you are hope in the middle of that. We ask all this in the powerful name of our Lord Jesus. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open those to the book of Romans chapter 15. Uh, Each week in your worship guide, there is uh, something on the back called Grace Together. It's a devotion that we offer to you where you can think through what God taught us as a faith family uh, from the previous Sunday. And the closing of that is always praise through song. What song did we sing that lined up the best with what we happen to talk about in worship today? Uh, Our song for the week is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We just sang that uh, just a few moments ago. It's the oldest Christmas carol that we know. Uh, It dates back to the year 800 and represents an important and ancient series of services celebrated by the Christian church. Originally, every verse was its own chorus. One chorus was sung each day for the seven days leading up to Christmas. Each chorus was sung or chanted in a cappella. We're probably going to do that next week. (laughs) Chant together. It was sung in Latin. They were referred to as the O Antiphonals because each verse began with O. So it's not just modern contemporary music on the radio that uses the O. Each chorus emphasized a different Old Testament prophecy of the coming Messiah who was fulfilled in the birth of Jesus. And it wasn't until a thousand years later, about 1850, that the choruses were compiled, put to present day music, given a connecting refrain, and then distributed It's been translated into numerous languages. It's sung by every denomination around the globe, even the bad ones. (laughs) Verse 1 talks about Emmanuel who would come based in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 8. God with us. He will pay the ransom that only a God in the flesh can pay. Verse 2, we see this phrase, the rod of Jesse, which comes from Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. Springing from a dead stump, he will free his people from Satan's oppression and allow them to reign forever as free people through the death of Jesus and his resurrection. In verse 3, we remember what Luke 1, 78 says, that Jesus is the day spring, the dawn of God's kingdom, and he will be the light of the world and banish all hopelessness and darkness. Verse 4 tells that Jesus is the key of David. He rescues us from hell, locks the door behind us, unlocks the door of heaven, and brings us home to be with him. Verse 5, we see that he's the desire of nations, which is based in the book of Haggai. He will draw the ransom from every people and make them a kingdom of peace. We don't sing songs because we think that we should do something with instruments every Sunday. We choose the songs that we, that we sing. We base worship services and connect all these things tissue-wise so that we as a people would realize that we are part of something that is much, much greater than us. That it has existed longer than us. That the church that we are part of 
God has been binding this together through history. And the one factor that brings it all together is the person of Jesus who we would ask to come to us. So just in a moment, I would invite you to bow your head. And I'm not going to pray a prayer while you listen with your eyes closed. I just want you to take a moment in the stillness to think through the hope that you have in Jesus and thank God for it. And everybody says, are you ready for Christmas? We are all asking that question. We are in full-blown Christmas mode at the Poe House. The tree was up before we traveled for Thanksgiving. The kids decorated their rooms as soon as we let them get the lights down in August. My oldest, that's a joke. Shepherd, my oldest son, is basically Buddy the Elf. Because of a deal that I made last year, a really bad deal, uh, we are at phase one of the Griswold illusion of the Poe home, complete with inflatables. There are inflatable things in my yard right now that I'm not sure what to think of. Um, and one of them just keeps falling over, so I just keep sending Alder out to fix it. Are you ready for Christmas? What a question. It's the most popular question that's going to be asked over the next 23 days. All of us are making sure that our gifts are bought. Anybody taking care of that? Are we in the midst of taking care of that? Are you anxiously thinking about taking care of that? Have you decided not to celebrate Christmas this year, Grace Bible? Parties are being attended, songs are sung, notes to Santa Claus are being written, and we anxiously wait. Waiting is hard. It's really hard, probably because we don't like to do it, and we really don't have to do it anymore. Think about this with me. How simple is it to grab food as you drive home? We can even pay someone in 2018 to bring food to our house. How, and not just pizza either, like real restaurant food. How easy is it to buy things and pay for them later? You don't have to save up for anything anymore. Though Dave Ramsey will get after you when you choose to live that life. We don't have to wait for television anymore. We binge watch everything. And shows are formatted to play to our inability to wait. That's why they have cliffhangers. We don't even have to wait to get in front of the television to watch our favorite show. We watch the shows on our phone. Your kid doesn't have to get home. I watch football games on my phone. These very small people. I don't know how they fit there. Waiting. When we saw Hope's sister at Thanksgiving, she gave our kids presents. But she told them they could not open them until Christmas Day. And then she goes back to her house in New Orleans, which is seven hours away. Really, it's about 12 hours when you consider the traffic in Baton Rouge. Appreciate that. The prophets were men who waited. Patiently, faithfully, if we're being completely, just considering they're human beings, probably anxiously waited. 
What did they wait for? They waited for this king who would come. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. If you're writing down notes, for, us to, to, for unto us a child is born. Nikki read earlier. To us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful, my, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of his peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will, will do this. In Micah chapter 5 verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Hosea 11 verse 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called a son, prophesying for us what would take place in Matthew chapter 2. There are more. There are some that are... These are some of the most well-known. These prophets were men who were waiting faithfully and anxiously anticipating for God to send His promised deliverer. And they would die in the midst of the wait. As God's people were abused by unrighteous kings, led by self-centered, glory-seeking false prophets, bored by half-hearted Religious leaders, God's true prophets, spoke to the light of the coming king who would make all things right. Our hope, our hope in our God brings to the world the anticipation of a king who will rule with truth and justice and righteousness over his people and in his creation. Our hope anticipated in the Old Testament and now anticipated again as we wait for Jesus and his second coming is the reign of an anointed Messiah who will bring peace and justice and righteousness to the world. It is the belief that God in Jesus will eventually rid the world of sin and death and hell and the grave. God God's true prophet spoke to this all the while waiting. Waiting is not part of who we are. The word advent comes from a Latin word for arrival. It's the season where we celebrate the coming of the Messiah who would take away the sins of the world. I did not grow up with advent. Did not grow up celebrating that. Anybody, just, let's just do a, a survey of the room. How many of you grew up in a tradition where Advent was observed? Right? How many of you grew up in a tradition where abs, Advent was a, huh? Alright, that's lots of us. I meet with some of our guys from church every couple of weeks and we talk through... Uh, what I'm going to say or maybe say and shouldn't say in sermons... And these are the things that were said to me from some of them, given that they, they have a variety of backgrounds here at Grace Bible. Some of them said their church did not celebrate Advent because it was too Catholic. Others said it was too liturgical. One said it was too weird. But for us as Christian people and the consideration of what these days mean, I want us to think through what we're waiting for. As early as the 4th century... A.D. Christians fasted during this season. 
And they ended their fast with celebrations either of the arrival of the wise men or of the baptism of Jesus. They, they waited for Jesus. For many Christians today, the most common sign of Advent is the lighting of the candles that we have here. Two purple candles followed by a pink candle, then another purple candle. And on each of the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, we will light these. One, today's was hope. What are we waiting for? We are waiting in anticipation and expectation of what God will do. We have a hope in our God. In our anticipation, in our waiting, we speak to the value of Jesus as one who was and is worth the wait. Romans chapter 15. Beginning with me in verse 8. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the uncircumcised to, go, to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the people extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. If you're a note taker, we see three things take place in these verses from Paul. Paul, who is on the other side of the initial coming of Jesus. We see this takes and it assembles these ideas. The writings about Jesus. The law and what it says about Jesus. The prophets and what they would say about Jesus. Verse 8 again. It reads this, I tell you that Christ became a servant to the uncircumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that this, the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written. So verse 8, we see two things take place there. Abraham's descendants are blessed. In Jesus, Abraham's descendants are blessed. By that blessing, what the scriptures are telling us is that everything that we see in the Old Testament and all of these who we read about in the book of Hebrews who are pointing to this Messiah, Jesus has been the fulfillment of everything that has been done in and through them. So when we see the story of Abraham, the story of Isaac, and the story of Jacob, when we see the story of Joseph, all of these stories that are pointing to Jesus as the grand, as the Messiah, as the Savior of the world, they are blessed by what God has done in him. They are the, the fulfillment. Jesus has fulfilled for them what they have been waiting for and what they have been pointing to. In Jesus, we find in verse 8, that the Jewish people find access to heaven. In Jesus, the Jewish people find access to heaven fulfilling the promise that was made to Jacob. Not only are we seeing God deal with the Jewish people and the Jewish nation here, simultaneously in Jesus, God deals with Gentiles. Spoiler alert, that's probably you. 
Because Jesus has come so the Gentiles may glorify God and they may glorify all of his mercies. Why? Because in Ephesians, Paul tells us this, that Jesus, the one on whom we have been waiting, the one that we have been anxiously anticipating, the one to whom everything points, he broke down the division between the Jewish people and the Gentile nations. You notice that breakdown as you go to verse 10. Really, as you read through verses 9 through 12. Because you see this initially. That we would ask, that we would praise God among the Gentiles. Verse 9. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. So we are seeing a picture in this passage that the people of God are to praise God in the middle of those who are far from God. We also see this, that we have been anxiously anticipating the one who would come, that the Jewish people would praise God, and not only praise God among the Gentiles, but in their praise of God, they would invite the Gentiles to be part of what God is doing globally, cosmically in Jesus. So you invite the Gentiles through your praise. Finally, we see this, that you will praise with the Gentiles. So we would see God working through history and He doing these great works. God's people praising Him in the midst of their suffering and oppression. God's people praising Him. And as they praise Him, others hearing and becoming connected to this. This connective tissue of the one whom we've been waiting for. This anticipation. And that we would see praise with the Gentiles. That our praise, the praise that we have for our Heavenly Father, would not be limited to what we do in front of people or what we do as we invite people, but eventually people will become part of what God has done for us in Jesus. We see that in verses 10, 9 through 12. And then we see this to close out verse 12. The answer to all of this. Why? Because in so doing, the Jewish people who got it were saying that their hope was steadfast in Jesus. What about us? What is the intent? What are the ramifications for your praise? What if we were to praise him among the unbelievers? What lost people know that your hope is in Jesus? Who came and is coming to make all things right. What if our praise served as an invitation? Is my celebration of Jesus in line with the life of Jesus that came to, as scriptures say, seek and save the lost. What about praising with them? Is our life lived in such a way that we are seeing unbelievers grafted into God's family? Why should I ask those questions about my own life? Why should you ask those questions about yours? Because in continually keeping these questions in front of ourselves, we are saying that our hope is steadfast in Him. Considering 
the unifying nature of life-giving Jesus. How has Jesus given life to you in a way that has ramifications? A life intended to make much of Jesus to the ends of the earth. Anxiously anticipating the arrival of the king was all that the prophets pointed towards. For us as believers in Jesus in this day, on this side of the incarnation... How much are we saying and how are we living in a way that says that we are anxiously anticipating our king who will make right all that is wrong with the world. Who will bring justice where justice needs to be brought. Who will show righteousness and declare it. Who will say to the world that we live in that there is still hope in him. Verse 13 is... Taking us that direction. Verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. One more time. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Think through that phrase. The God of hope. The God who we are anxiously anticipating his arrival. Fill us with joy and peace as we trust him. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit. Something that you cannot do on your own. But God in you and for you. You may abound in anxious anticipation. Our lives are designed... To make much of Jesus. All of our lives are making much of something. God's people's lives. Are to say that we have a king who has come and is coming again. I want to do this, do this with me this morning. I want you to bow your heads right where you are. When we this morning. I want you to think through how these lyrics resonate with your faith. Thinking through God's withness that He has said in Jesus He is with you. All the while anticipating and considering how he will make the world finally right. And I would encourage you to ask yourself as I ask myself. Am I living in a way that points to this? That I have a king who is coming and this king is good. That he rules with righteousness and justice but he also rules with love and mercy.
If you need me, I'll be in the back corner of the room. My left hand side, your right hand side. I'd love to pray with you about whatever you're struggling with in the midst of the weight. 